Matthew chapter 25. I just want to stress to you again, next Sunday night, business meeting. What time are we starting at, Miss Becky? Five o'clock, business and calendar meeting. He's like, why do y'all keep going over that? Something going on? Yeah, something's going on. If you're going to be a part of it, you better come. You're going to be some, we're going to spend some money and make some leadership changes and <clears throat> ministry changes. And we've got a, some plans that are going to really s- stretch us. But it's also going to be awesome to see what God does. So uh, if you're not there, if you're not there and you're not a part of the decision making, I don't listen to no complaints. If you're there, I'll listen to you a little bit, all right? All right, looking in Matthew 25, I want to talk to you about, remember where it talks about Abraham and his life uh, in, in Hebrews chapter 11, and it says he was looking for a city and builder whose maker was God. You know, all through the Bible, you see the theme of a kingdom, and we're God's people in a kingdom. We're looking for a kingdom to come. And I want to talk to you about that kingdom this morning, looking at God's Word in chapter 25 of uh, Matthew, starting in verse 14. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants, he delivered his goods to them, and to one he gave five talents. You know, talents is not talking about how you can sing or or how you're good at something, in this day, talent was the amount of money, okay? So he gave five talents to another two, to another one, to each according to his own ability. Immediately he went on a journey, and then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them, and he made another five talents, and likewise he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug it in the ground, hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, who delivered, or Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to them, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Those are the words you want to hear. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man. I want you to see the view this man has of the Lord. Reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. Notice he didn't say what is mine. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. That's the very least. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. 
So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to every one who has, more will be given. Y'all hear that? For to every one who has, more will be given. And he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even that what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There will be a weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, um, <clears throat> give you a, if you want to jot some notes, uh, if you want my notes afterwards, you'll just ha- you have to ask for them. But I'm going to give you something that really can open up a lot of um, understanding in your Bible study. You know, I love to study the Bible like in a theme going from front to back. There are themes through the Bible that start in Genesis and go to Revelation. And as you study the Bible, I believe that this is one of the key themes, if not the main theme. And it begins in Genesis, sums up in Revelation, and that that theme is the kingdom of heaven on earth. Now, I've already talked this to my guys on on Wednesday night, so y'all bear with me. Uh, I'm going to go through this just in a quick outline. Um, But I want you to listen and pay attention to this. You know, there's so many things that um, over the last few months that as I've been studying and digging and praying that that God has changed my view on some things, not, not, yeah, critical things, critical things. God's changing my view on some things according to the scripture. Um, I think we've got, uh, I think we've got a lot of stuff janked up in the American church, if you want to know the truth. Uh, I think we make a lot of excuses for for um, why we're not seeing the power of the Lord, why we're not seeing the power of the gospel in our nation. Uh, I think we're blaming and pointing fingers at lost people in a lot of ways. We're blaming politicians, and we're doing a lot of things, whereas I think we need to come back to the place to go, where are we at as the church? Because according to the Scripture, everything that goes on in the world doesn't revolve around lost people. It revolves around, it revolves around God's people. And so I just want to challenge you on this. And again, what, you know, what I teach on now, if you ever have a question, if you ever say, you know, I don't necessarily agree with that, that's all right. I ain't asking to you, you to agree. All I'm asking you to do is search the Scripture. Because we go, by, we go by feeling a lot. We go by emotion a lot. We go by tradition a lot. We go by what we've heard from previous preachers, preachers on the radio, and all that kind of stuff. And, and man, one of, the, one of the things that just threw me for a loop this last week when you when you trust, and I'll say this about me, when you just listen to a preacher and you take his word as that's the word of God, it's not. You understand that? Just because I speak, it don't mean I have zero authority. If it's not coming from God's word, it has no authority, no power. And this last week I saw a deal. Somebody sent me a video with Andy Stanley, Charles Stanley's son. I, I believe Charles Stanley is one of the one of the greatest preachers ever. I've never heard him say anything that's just off by any means. His son is now promoting homosexuality in the church and and standing more for the homosexuals than he is his own church. He's a blasphemous liar. That's what he is. And so when I saw that, I was like, gosh, man, who... Who can you believe? And you know, the world, here's the thing, the world, the world sees what's going on in, in, in God's people, the church as a whole. And they say, well, you know what? Used to in the church, it was wrong for you to, to do this. And they would preach against this or they would preach against that. But now that church has changed their stance and it's okay. You know, and this used to be called a sin and, and this is not called a sin anymore. 
And so now, you know, the church used to say like, homosexuality, like the Bible teaches, Romans chapter 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Leviticus 9, chapter 19, that it's, it, that it's sin, that it's a gross sin, that it's at the bottom of the place where judgment is fixing to strike. When a country and a people come to that place, that it's an abomination to God. I want to let you know where I, I stand on this and where the Bible stands, okay? That it's, that it's not condoned, not to be compromised, and not to be accepted, along with all the other sin. You understand that? And so, but, but, the, but the world sees the church compromising, compromising, compromising. In the name of a fake gospel, in the name of, you know, acceptance and tolerance, and, and then we're, God's people come to a place where you've allowed the world to judge you, to go, you can't be judgmental. If you say something's wrong, if you call it a sin, then you're going to hurt people's feelings. It's so much we're trying to, we're trying to do away with sin altogether so that we can do away with hell altogether. And we, we're trying to come to a place where like, you know what? It's just a big kumbaya and where I stand and where God's word is called a rock. A rock doesn't move. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His word is unchanging. The truth, the statutes, the judgments, the law, everything is unchanged in God's word. And so if it was a sin a thousand years ago, it's a sin a thousand years from now. Okay? And if it's a truth a thousand years ago, it's a truth and a promise that will continue until Jesus sums all this business up. But, but I want to look at God's word and I want to go, you know what? I, I don't want to take somebody's word for what I've been for what I've been taught. I'm going to dig into it myself. I'm going to dig deep and I'm just going to speak what God speaks to me. And you search for yourself. And, and I challenge you, take the scripture. I know everybody right now is on pen is, well, what is he fixing to teach? Nothing, nothing crazy. But there are a lot of people who believe just because you come to church, just because you've walked down an aisle and you've prayed some prayer, just because you had an emotional moment or, or, or you believe that grace empowers you to live however, that now that you can, now that you're saved, you can live like the world. And because there's no change in your life and there's no desire for holiness and there's no involvement in what God has for you to do, there's no answering to the call of God, there's no voice of God that speaks to you, there's no love for God's word, there's no desire for you to serve the Lord, that you excuse all that way and go, well, maybe in 25,000 years from now, I'll have an unction inside and maybe I'll do something. And you, and you reason all that stuff away and you look at other people and go, well, the majority of people... Are, are, the, are Christians, and they're the same as me. By the word of God, Jesus said in, in, um, in a, a Matthew chapter 7 that the majority of people are on the broad way, and they're going to end up in hell. That's what the Bible says. So I, I just encourage you, and I do. I hope I shake you up. But, but looking at the theme of the kingdom, okay, let's go through this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now here, I'm just going to give you a quick outline of the Bible. Remember, God created Adam, and what did he say? He gave Adam dominion. Over what? Over everything in creation. Adam had a kingdom. Adam was the king over God's physical creation. Okay? Then Adam broke the law of the kingdom. He rebelled against God. He forfeited his rule to Satan. He gave Satan dominion. At that point in time, the kingdom of darkness is now established on earth, ruled by the prince of darkness. All of this is Bible, okay? Mankind now is enslaved as Satan's subjects, bound by sin and death. That's how Satan holds on to mankind is because of sin and death. Therefore, we have become captives. We have become prisoners. We have become poor in his kingdom, okay? We're, we're, we have nothing whatsoever. 
And remember that Satan has just rebelled against God who is, who is king over all. And he and all of those in his kingdom will be brought to justice. You understand? And I want to make this really clear because you have to decide this this morning. You're in one of two kingdoms. Every person sitting here is in one of two kingdoms. You are either in bondage, captive in the kingdom of darkness because of sin, or you have been set free and you are transferred, conveyed, the Bible says, Colossians chapter 1 verse 3, into the kingdom of the Son of His love, and you're in the kingdom of light. You are born into this kingdom. You're in one or the other. You will be judged in one or the other. You will go to one or the other, depending on what you do with what you've been given. And so in that, that judgment is coming. So I, I have people ask all the time, so why does God allow, you know, bad things to happen to good people? Number one, there's no good people. Jesus said there's none good except God, okay? But the point is, the reason that God allows this world to continue in the route that it's going, it clearly answers that. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, he is, he is long-suffering towards usward. The church, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The church should be preaching and, and witnessing of the gospel of Jesus, calling people to repentance. Leave this kingdom, be transferred to this kingdom. Because there's coming a judgment. And here's the thing. When Christ comes, you're like, I want, I want Jesus to, to bring about judgment. I want to, I want to see this world cleaned up. When he does, he will judge everyone. And that means anyone who's lost, your family, your friends, if they have not come to the place of repentance, he's going to judge them also. And I'm glad God's long-suffering. i got some friends and some people that need Jesus. Amen? <clears throat> and he will allow us to suffer at the hands of the devil. The Bible says we're counted as sheep. Before, uh, as a, All day we're counted as sheep to go to a slaughter. And God's like, you know what? I'll allow you to suffer in order that these people can be saved. Because one day I'm going to deal away with all this stuff and there will be no more suffering, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more pain. Now, uh, prior to God's judgment, God began a work of taking back what was his, establishing his kingdom on earth once again under the domain of the second Adam, who is Jesus. Jesus comes as the second Adam. What is he doing? He's taking back the kingdom in the physical form. He, God, becomes a man. Think about this, the king of all kings almost himself to become a man to rescue men who rebelled against him in order that we might not perish. And so he comes to redeem a kingdom. Jesus comes to establish his kingdom on earth. That's why he prayed, uh, uh, Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So he's establishing that kingdom on earth. And right now it's in a spiritual form. Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1 and 2. We got that. Notice what it says. It's talking about the Messiah, the king. The word Messiah means the anointed one, the king, who was coming to establish his kingdom. It's talking about Jesus. He spoke this in Luke chapter 4 before he started his ministry. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. And notice how it refers to the people to preach good news or tidings to the poor, those who are bankrupt in the kingdom of darkness. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives. You remember how the Bible says he come to set the captives free. He led captivity captive. When a king would lose his people to battle, he would later go back and refight that battle 
and he would reclaim his people. And when he would come into the city, there would be like a parade and people shouting and she, people praising. Why? Because he was leading captivity captive under his rescue. When Jesus brought his people out of the kingdom of darkness, and you know, it talks about when Christ went into heaven after the time of his resurrection, and that he descended into the lower parts, which would have been in paradise. I'm going to get you on a little deep this morning. Now, he took all of the Old Testament saints and he led captivity captive into a basically a parade into the presence of the Father. Because he was the one who had to go there first and offer up his blood in order that he could set the captives free. Man, y'all got that? We're going we're gonna to go beyond, you know, just scratching the surface this morning. And so, uh, and notice, all, and the open of the prison. To those who are bound. Now listen, Jesus opened up the prison. you got to decide if you want to walk out. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's, that's talking about the time of which we have the opportunity to receive God's mercy and grace. And then the day of vengeance of our God. That's the day of judgment that we're looking at here to come. To comfort all is born, we'll stop right there. And so it's talking about his ministry in the kingdom of heaven. The gospel is the good news of the kingdom, proclaiming forgiveness and freedom through the finished work of the cross. You know, it talks about in John chapter 3, you don't work your way into the kingdom. What does it say? Jesus answered and said, he was talking to Nicodemus here, a religious ruler. Most assuredly, I say unto you, unless one is born again, He cannot see the kingdom of God. Why? Because it's spiritual right now in essence. And the Bible says in order for you to have kingdom vision, in order for you to see what we're talking about this morning, you have to be born again. That means if you see, if you have kingdom vision, what does that mean? That you're born again. That God's translated you from one kingdom into his kingdom by his grace and that you've been saved. You've been redeemed. You're a captive who've been set free. Your prison doors open and you walked out into freedom by your choice to trust in Christ as your Savior, okay? If you don't have kingdom vision, that means you're lost. That you're still in the kingdom of darkness. So, this is a simple outline of, of what I want to talk to you about having kingdom vision. And you're either part of one or you're part of the other. Now, I want you to look back in Matthew 25. Not going to go long this morning. Amen. <clears throat> but I do want to get this to you. It's really important. Okay? In Matthew chapter 25, he starts off speaking of the kingdom of heaven. He said, there was a man... For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling. This man is talking about is Jesus. Traveling into a far country. He came from where he was. He left his throne in heaven. Notice it refers to heaven as not some foggy, mystical, cloudy place to where, you know, you really don't know these folks you're floating around playing a harp with and wings out your back. It doesn't. That's Hollywood heaven. The Bible refers to as heaven as a country, a place, a city. Something that you can see. Something where, you know what, you know, I'm not going to walk up to, to Travis in heaven and go, now, who are you? People are like, am I going to know people in heaven? Yeah, I'm going to walk up to Travis and go, man, Travis, you remember when, when your daughter used to dance, you know, in, in front of the church when his worship? Look at her. She's up there dancing before the throne right now. We're going to know that. You're going to have memory. You're going to know everything better than you know right now. So he comes from a far country. Who Notice what he does here. He calls his servants. That means the call of the gospel goes out to all. 
his own service, he delivered the goods to them. What is the goods? The Bible said the good news is the good news of the gospel, how that Christ died for our sins, was buried, and rose again on the third day. Not only that, for those who believe, you receive the gifts of God's Spirit. God gives you his Spirit as evidence and as a token of what's to come. And so he gives those things to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, another one. So not everybody gets the same. To each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on his journey. He said, where is Jesus at right now? He went on his journey. He's gone back to the right hand of the Father. Seated there, like the Bible says, until his, until his enemies be made his footstool. He's bringing everything into subjection right now is what he's doing before this time of judgment comes. So each one has been given a talent or several in order that they can do what? Invest it in the kingdom. Now, this is where I want to get really personal, okay? God, at, I just want to look at church, our church as a whole. Cedar Creek, we're going to stay right here in this building. Our church as a whole, Jesus has delivered to us the goods. We've got the gospel. We've got his word. We have his spirit. We have opportunities like I've seen in very few churches. We have children here. And, and let me say this. I'm not trying to guilt anybody in the servant. I want to point out that that doesn't work, and that's not what God's looking for in just a minute. But God has blessed us. I, I don't know if you see how many kids get up like a wave and go out of here. And God's blessed us with that talent. He's like, okay, that's a talent. This will be an amount. And I'm going to tell you something. God loves his children. He said, of such is the kingdom of God. And so in that, he's given us these children. He's like, there you go. There's one thing that I want you to invest in. He's given us a young generation. Go to some of the other churches in our town. There is no young generation in them. They're dying. So many churches are dying off. And you don't see anybody under 40 in those churches in another 20 years. It's over. But God has brought a, a young generation, a new generation in this church. And he's like, here, I want to, I want to talk to some older generation here. God's delivered us, these people, so that we can raise up a new generation and invest in them. God's given us people who want to give themselves to ministry. We've got a lot of younger people and older people who are like, I want to give myself to ministry. I want to serve. I want to carry it beyond just coming to church and, and sitting. And God wants us to invest in those people. God's given us the gospel to share with our community. And we could continue to go on and on and look at the opportunities that God's blessed us with over the years and greater things to come, just like we shared earlier in that. Now, here's the thing. If you're here today and you've been born again, you say, I'm a born again believer. I have kingdom vision. That means what God has given, you are required. You have responsibility. The only way you get out of that responsibility is if you're like, you know, I'm lost and I'm going to hell. Bad choice. So if you're here today, you say, I'm a child of God. Understand, when Christ comes and he is coming, y'all know I preached a little while back, it's possible. And I won't back off of it. According to what's going on, it's possible, depending on when Jesus is coming, whether at the first of the tribulation or the end of the tribulation, a lot of, a lot of deciphering there. But if I would say this, if Christ is coming at the first of the seven-year tribulation, which is the last seven years, very possible, and I can, I can roll we in the Bible all day long on this, it could be this fall, 2023. Now, when you think about that, some of you just go, ooh, don't get that feeling, because I'm fixing to shake you up if you did. Okay, it's that's possible. I'm not saying he is, but it's possible. And I got a lot of strong biblical reference to that. 
So if he is, whenever he chooses to come, he's going to settle his accounts with you. Not just He's not just going to say, hey, you as the pastor, let's get the deacons, let's get, let's get Terry and Let's get David and let's get, you know, John, let's get all the, all the you know, Willie and, and Jay. We're gonna, you're going to give an account for all these people. He's not going to do that. He's going to be like, you know what? You were saved by the same gospel as that stupid pastor standing up there every Sunday. You were redeemed and brought out of the same kingdom of darkness that he was. You were given the same talents. Now, we might have different amounts and different things that we're involved in, but every one of you was given the gospel, and you should be investing that. Every one of you have a place in the kingdom. I want to open your eyes that it's not about, yeah, we're going to go to church, sit there on Sunday. It's way beyond that. God's way greater than that. He's like, I have a kingdom. That kingdom is coming. I'm establishing that kingdom. I brought you in that kingdom. And notice this, there's no hierarchy. He said every one of them, the one he gave five, the one he gave two, and the one he gave one was called servants. He didn't say, well, good, well done, good and faithful pastor. Well done, good and faithful deacon. Well done, good and faithful worship leader. Well done, good and faithful church attender. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. Servant. So in that, every one of us is going to give an account. And note that there was one who received it and he buried it. Now, when this judgment comes, when the king returns to settle his accounts, notice what takes place. The two faithful servants, look at their attitude. They know he's coming, and they're looking forward to it. He said, they who had, uh, let me find a place, Uh, right there, 17. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one, blah, blah, blah. And then verse 20 says, so when he who had received five talents came, He brought five other talents to the Lord, and he said, Lord, you delivered me. You gave me five talents. I want you to see. Look, I've gained five more. You know how you're in the will of God and that you're you're walking with the Lord? Because you're looking forward to him coming. You're like, I don't know. I'm not ready. I'm ready for Jesus to come back. And all of a sudden, that that makes me scared, and I'm afraid. And I just, here's what we really want to say. This is why so many people are interested in the book of Revelation. This might be a tad bit judgmental, but this is just what I think. I think so many people don't know if they're going to heaven or hell. They're scared to death because they're involved in sin and wickedness and darkness. They sit in church every Sunday and play the hypocrite. And then you've got those who go, I, I, I know Jesus. I just love the world. Man, I just love this world. I love everything it has. I love the stuff. I love the, the stuff and the, and the blah, blah, blah. And everything goes, I just love it. I love it. I love it. Because you can't say, well, I just don't want to miss my family. If your family's going to heaven, they're going with you. You understand that? There's a reason why people don't want judgment. If you're a born-again child of God and you understand what Jesus has done for you, you look forward to that day. It talks about, I didn't write this down, but I want to read it to you. In John chapter 3, in verse, um, I don't even know what verse it is. Let me look. You know, John, we know John three sixteen. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, whosoever believed in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And then I want you to notice what it says towards the last of the chapter. <clears throat> Let me find it. Okay, there it is. Let me find Verse 17, I want to start about 17. It says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. Because he has not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the, kind of, this is the judgment. That the light has come into the world. Men loved darkness rather than light. Because what? Their deeds were evil. Now notice what it says here. For everyone practicing evil hates the light. 
and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth does what? Comes to the light. Why? That his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Now you think about this. If you're in the place where you should be, you're like, I'm looking forward to the day of judgment. Because I have things to offer up to the Lord that I have invested in in the kingdom. Remember when Jesus talked in uh, earlier in Matthew when he was preaching the Sermon on the Mount? He said, you know, don't lay up your treasures here on earth where moth eats and, and, and thieves break in and steal and rust, you know, wears it away. But lay up your treasures in heaven that where your treasures are, there you may be, your heart may be also. So you're going to get a return on your investment. You're going to be rewarded in heaven. With area and authority and stuff. And, and here's what I want to say. So many people go, well, I don't, I don't want a reward. You know, I, I don't need that. I just want to go there. What you want to do? Go there and just stand in the street? Don't tell me you don't want stuff. You work for it every day. Don't tell me you don't want more. You work for it every day. You sacrifice and give everything to have more. Your heart desires more. God's like, that's fine. Translate that to the kingdom and want more. Because I got more for you. There's going to be a difference for people in heaven. I want you to understand that. If you'll study the, the promised land, when those people went in, God divided their inheritance up into lots. Different ones got different areas according to their faith. They received their lot. There's going to be a picture of the division in heaven. There's going to be different people in different lots according to receiving your inheritance through faith. And if this bores you, you're probably not going there anyhow, okay? So here's the thing. The king returns their light. We want to see you in judgment. I hear, I'm going to just touch on some stuff that you can hate on me for. It's to give you a good conversation during lunch. I want you to think about the things God's given you. Because the things God's given you, he wants you to invest in his kingdom. Everything that God has given you. Now you think about this. How many of you are ready to go, I'm ready to give an account, because you will, for my financial investment in the kingdom? Here's a preacher. He's asked for money. Don't need it. Don't need your money. This is what I want to say. If you love God, you invest and you give. That's between you and the Lord. I don't care what you do. But here's the thing. This next man, you notice, he gave the bare. He didn't even give the bare minimum. And there's a lot of people that you think, well, I give the bare minimum. I'm at church. I go to church. You know, here's the thing. In your finances, tithing, 10% is the bare minimum. If, you, if you're one of those people, you don't tithe, and I don't know who gives what, and I don't care. I can tell you this, I'm ready to stand before the Lord what I do with my finances. I, I'm very confident in that. And, and you should be too. But here's the thing, if you don't even tithe, you're going to give an account from stealing from God. The Bible says if you don't tithe, you're robbing from God. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Robbing, stealing from God. What about your time? You ready to give an account for that? You ready to give an account for how you spend your time? How much you've invested in the gospel, the people that you've shared it with, the ministry you're involved in this church. God's put you here in this lot. What are you doing? When those kids get up and walk out, you go, that's not for me. <sighs> Obviously, it's not for a lot of people because there's about four people over there investing in the kingdom of the kids and nobody else cares. Ooh, that was ugly. Yeah, it was. It was. But it's truthful. And there's a lot of other areas. And I told my wife, you know, I was just preparing this. I said, do you know how awesome a real church would look like? How it would, it would, if our church functioned the way that the Bible teaches, it would be, it would be glorious. It would be mind blowing if we were like the Bible. You say, well, we are a scriptural church. Yeah, right. I'll shred that, people. I'll shred it and you'll leave. I promise you. 
We're far from a scriptural church. We might preach the truth and hold to the truth of the Bible. We just don't live by it. Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. Say, oh, I'm, I'm going to be hating on him. There's, there's a dead church down the road you can go to. I'm not being ugly. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm, here's where I'm at. I'm done appealing to people, trying to appease people and go, well, hopefully, you know, I can preach short enough sermons and we can preach vibrant enough music that people who don't love God, who don't care about serving, who don't give a dime, who don't care about the kingdom, who don't witness of the gospel so that they'll fill the church up. Get out of here. I would rather preach to 10 committed people who love Jesus, who want to advance the kingdom. I would far rather do that. Because the rest of it is a waste of time. My only prayer is that your heart will turn to Jesus and you get on fire. That's my prayer. And so, boy, we just, John chapter 6, that one, didn't we? All right. Stay with me. I'm almost, uh, I, I do love y'all. I hope y'all know that. Say, boy, it sounds like it. <coughs> but here's where we're at. Here's the good thing. This is why I say, why are you passionate about that? Because I want you to hear. Well done. Good and faithful servant. What good is it if I made you happy here and you don't hear that? I, I don't want to have to sit there and listen to you and go, wait a second. Hold on a second. You didn't tell us this. You didn't bring this out. Well, you know, buddy, I, I didn't want to hurt your feelings. Didn't want to upset you. Wanted to make sure you dropped a dollar in the plate. Really? I couldn't care less if you don't give nothing. That's between you and the Lord. What I do care is, why does your heart not want to give nothing? I'm not just talking about money. Why does your heart not want to give anything? And I know what you're sitting there saying. Oh, don't tell me I ain't saying anything. I'm not the one telling you. Maybe you need to listen to who's telling you. Okay? Now let's look at this last servant, and we'll be, we'll be lastly done. All right? Let me get back to my scripture, Matthew chapter 25. When you look at this last servant, the Lord gave him one talent. Say, so why did he only give him one? Because he didn't want to have to judge him for five, because it would have been a whole lot worse on him. God's even merciful to unbelievers. And so, I'm looking back here in John. I'm trying to talk and look. Give me just a second. So the Lord calls this last servant up. And I want you to see that there's a totally different attitude towards him. Very arrogant attitude. And he says, and this is not what you want, okay? He says um, in verse 24, Then he who had received one talent, I believe that one talent was the gospel. I believe God called and gave one talent. Go, now I want to see what you're going to do with this. The Lord knew what he was going to do with it. So what did what did he do with it? He said, "Lord, I knew you were a hard man." Is that the way you view God? Is that your view of God? You know, I'm afraid of God. This man doesn't he doesn't see God from a loving, gracious, merciful viewpoint. He sees him as a hard God. Your law is hard to follow. How many of you have said it's just so hard? It's so hard to live for the Lord. It's so hard to walk in righteousness. It's so hard to serve. It's so hard not to be following after temptation and sin. This man said it was hard too. That's hard to swallow, ain't it? Lord, I knew you'd be a hard man. I, I don't see Jesus that way at all. Reaping where you have not sown. Gathering where you have not scattered seed. You know what he's saying? God, you're just a taker. You're a taker. You know why it offended you some of, the, some of you this morning just a while ago when I said you don't give? It's because you see God as a taker. Your finances are yours. You're the one that made them. You do what you want to. I'm not required to. And here's the thing. You're not required to. 
You'll give an account for it, but you're not required. God said, I don't want you to give because you are, you know, guilted in the giving. The Lord loves a cheerful giver. If you're not cheerful about it, keep your junk, okay? Keep it. It's yours. One day you can give it back to the Lord. So he goes, it's a little bit tougher than what I was thinking when I was preparing it. All right, y'all, y'all pray for me. He said, uh, and I was afraid. Yeah, I, I was, I, and I love rednecks because I'm one of them. But I don't know how many redneck men I've listened around when I when I'm talking to them about Jesus. They go, "Oh, boy, I'm telling you right now, I fear the Lord. I got the fear of the Lord in me. I'm afraid of death." I'm like this dude was afraid too. Are you afraid of your daddy? If you have a good daddy, a loving daddy, are you afraid of him that he's going to just come down on you? Say, no. You know why? Because you know your daddy loves you. He gives everything for you. If Jesus is your daddy, if he's your father, why are you afraid? If you're afraid, maybe it's because he's not your father. If you're fearful of the day of judgment, maybe it's because you've got the fear that you're going to end up in hell. The Bible says you can know that you have eternal life. You're not just a churchgoer. You're not just a, I did this and I did that and I went through the process. Listen to me. I want to encourage God's people this morning. If you've trusted in Jesus to come to a place of repentance and faith towards Him and you believe the gospel, it's so much that you're investing into the kingdom. It's not the investing that saves. It's the salvation that invests. And if you're one of those people like, I love Jesus. I love the kingdom. I believe this. I'm investing in it. I want to do more. I want to serve God. I am a servant. I don't find that offensive that you call me a slave at all. I'm happy to be a slave in the kingdom of God. Let me say this. You're not just a church goer. You are a blood-bought, redeemed, captive, set free, adopted into the family of God. You are sealed until the day of redemption. God's Spirit is within you. You are holy, blameless, righteous in His love, in His sight. The Bible said you've been made perfect in His love by His grace, by His mercy that is unchanged. And He stands at the right hand of the Father as your high priest representing you. Every day, every fall, He picks you up. That's good. Man, that's who you are. As for the other folk, hopefully there's no other folk in here other than that. But here's the thing. He just viewed God as harsh. He was afraid. And then, here's the thing. He tries to put on this this show for the Lord. There's going to be a lot of people who try to put on a show for the Lord, the day of judgment. He, he's, he's selling God out. And he's appealing, you know, to God to feel sorry for him. But the Lord answered him and said, no, no, wait a second. No, I, I got to get this. This is a good part. I was afraid. He said, is there a good part? Yeah. I was afraid. I went and I hid. I just want to stress this. Your talent. Your talent. He didn't accept it as his. It's like like if I gave you a gift. Jesus gives the gift of the gospel. The hope of salvation. The good news. Repent and I'll save you. I want to give you that message. Every one of you has heard it. Some of you this morning, you know what you'll do? You'll be like, I'll just stick that back there for when I need it. Right now, I'm not interested in it. And some people get this. Here's what the people get. I'm going to use my... <laughs> some people, if you look at this as the gospel, some people think, and I used to be one of them, because you walk down the aisle, you had a moment of fear, feared to death that I'm going to end up in hell, and it's just all about fear. It wasn't about sin. wasn't about seeing the love of Jesus and wanting to follow him. It was just about, I don't want to end up in hell. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to get the talent, and I'm going to just hide it right back here. I don't want nobody to know because this is between me and God. We have our thing. You know, everybody has, you know, this, I, you don't tell me I don't know the Lord, me and God have everything I know. Okay, whatever. And you think somehow that when you die after you've lived a sinful life with no investment in the kingdom whatsoever, that you're going to stand before the Lord and go, hey, I've got your talent. This is yours. And he's going to be like, it is, give it back. 
because you didn't invest. It didn't take root in you. It didn't produce anything. You know why? Because you were just holding on to it just in case. Just in case you heard the trumpet. Just in case you got cancer. Just in case the world didn't work for you, you could pull it out and go, you know what? I, I prayed that prayer. I got baptized. Everybody's holding on to something. And so I want you to think about this. He wasn't interested in being a servant in the kingdom. He just buried it. And now he enters into the kingdom of which he invested. Notice what it says. I hid your talent. Look here. What you have, it's yours. Give it back. And the Lord answered and said unto him, he didn't say, well, you're just a good old boy. You're a good old boy. And you know what? You wasn't a hypocrite like all those hypocrites in the church. You were just so truthful. You just, you went out and lived your life and you stood for what you believed. And you're a good old, come on in. You're not like those hypocrites. He doesn't say that. He says, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew what, that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have done the least. You ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him. Give it to him who has ten talents. This is not what you want to hear. This is a pastor's worst nightmare. This is a mom and daddy's worst nightmare. For to everyone who has. No, no. Yeah, yeah. For to everyone who has, more will be given. He who has will have abundance. God wants you to have abundance. But from him who does not have, even that which he has will be taken away. Cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's where the kingdom of darkness is heading. And everybody who's a part of it is going there with them. It's called hell. Lake of fire. Now this is just a blunt truth. So I want to finish up with this, this right here. Number one, we are called to receive God's mercy and grace. Here's the awesome thing. God will save any and everybody. There is no sin God did not die for. There is nothing God will not forgive. There is no unpardonable sin other than rejection of the gospel of Jesus. And God calls everybody. If you're here this morning, you've heard the gospel. You're a sinner. You're going to die and go to hell because you're a sinner. Jesus came to save you from your sin. Went to a cross, represented you. God the Father poured out wrath on the Prince of Life. In order that my sin could be paid for. He buried my sin in a grave. He rose again on the third day to assume authority over his established kingdom. And he said, anyone who wants to be in my kingdom, come to me. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You'll repent and trust in Jesus today. Turn from your sin. Admit the fact that you're a wicked, lazy servant. And turn to Jesus. He'll save your soul. And you'll be changed immediately. Now, you've heard it. So you've been called. And this is a a fact I I just want to challenge you all on, okay? According to this scripture and many others, believers are investors. What do you do with that? You know, that's real clear. You know, it says in James, faith without works is dead. Claiming that you're a believer with no investment is dead. You're like, wait a second. No, 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 you wait a second. I want you to judge yourself. Believers are investors. Where are you investing in the kingdom of heaven? Church attendance is not investing. It's not. Where are you investing in the gospel of Jesus Christ? The very good news that he bled for so that you could go, man, I've got to give this to somebody. I'm going to do something with this. You might not have the opportunity I have, but you have an opportunity. Where are you investing in? Second question is, 
What would you bring to the Lord as gain today? Say we walk out of church, we go to, where y'all going, Burger King? We get an indigestion. We walk outside in the parking lot, and all of a sudden, wind starts blowing. Clouds kind of roll. You're like, well, this is looking weird. I've never seen this before. And all of a sudden, the sky starts parting, and you hear the trumpet. You hear a shout. I wonder how many of us are now. Now, here's the thing. And all of a sudden, you're standing before the Lord. And he says, Josh McKinney, stand before him. I gave you these talents. I gave you these opportunities. I gave you the gospel. I gave you multiple things. I put you at Cedar Creek Baptist Church. I, I gave you people. I gave you all this. And I can pick on Josh King Hanlon. What would you bring for gain? Would you go, Lord, I wanna, I, I'm so excited to offer you up what I, my investments. What would you bring? What would you bring? What all you have? Like, Lord, I walked down the aisle. I prayed the prayer. I got baptized. I came to church. You know, Lord, I listened to that long-winded preacher. Third thing is, man, we should have, we have such a great opportunity in such a limited amount of time. You realize what God's blessed you to be a part of this church. The opportunity that God's given you in this church. He didn't, he didn't just put you here, call you here so you could park it and listen to me. He put you here because he wants you to invest in the people that you're looking around. And he wants us to go out as a church and invest into the world and carry the gospel and make a radical change in our culture. It's the only thing that we've got. And if you're sitting here today and go, I don't have time for that, you're going to have plenty of time when you're sitting in the lake of fire. Oh, that's, that's so harsh. No, that's so true. I challenge you to disprove that with the Scripture. Don't come to me with an experience. Don't give me your experience. I've had a lot of experiences. What I want you to do is I want you to prove to yourself with the Scripture. If you're not an investor, you look at your life and you go, I, I ain't investing in the kingdom, I'm just running with the world. I have my little Jesus experience, and I go to church every so often, and I'm not going to get carried away with all that stuff. Please, by all means, you, you prove that to me in Scripture, and I'll stand up here and preach it for an hour and 45 minutes. You're not going to find it. If you're here today and you go, you know what? According to the Scripture, I don't look nothing like a born-again believer. Maybe. Maybe you need to be born again. Maybe you need to come to a place of repentance between you and the King to receive and cultivate the gospel in your life because you believe. And I just pray God gives you kingdom vision today. You're in one kingdom or the other. You'll leave here today in your car in one kingdom or the other, in the kingdom of sin and darkness, bound and deceived. Or you'll leave out here a son and a daughter of God because of His grace and mercy that you received, that He's done for you. And you will be so excited and you will believe that so strongly. You're like, i got to do something. Will you stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed? Let's have a word of prayer if you, you want to respond. The Lord's ready to respond to you. Lord, I love you and I thank you, Jesus, for the truth of your word. I thank you, God, your word's very clear, very decisive. Lord, we don't have to wonder. It's not about interpretation, Lord. That every person can just read it. And let it speak. Thank you, God, that you love us. And, Lord, even in your hard truth, you're showing us mercy. You're calling us to salvation. God, I pray that we wouldn't, that we wouldn't fall deceitful, deceived by what's going on in the majority of American churches today. But, God, we'd look at your word. We'd judge ourselves. Lord, nobody wants to be judged by somebody else, and I'm not judging, God. 
can't read anybody's heart. Lord, I pray that people here today would read their own heart. Pray, Father, that there will be people who come to the place today to where, number one, that they are so assured of your salvation, of your goodness, that they recognize what you did when you went to that cross, what you did when you saved their soul, and how they were radically changed immediately, insomuch that they can have the fullness of joy and peace and hope. God, we'd be a people who can't contain that. God, you'd put a faith in us so strong. We'd be faithful in the little things, God, that you've given us. We stand before you in that day, Lord. What an awesome day. Stand there as a pastor. Let's see my people hear those words, God. I just pray, Lord, for someone here today that's lost. Lord, they just surrender to you. Not about walking up front of the church. Lord, they surrender to you right where they are. To receive your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness, God. Begin to invest in what they believe in Jesus' name. Amen.